All right, good morning. Everybody be seated, please. How's everybody doing this morning? How about you online? They said great, awesome. Thanks for coming. What a great morning. I'll tell you, I'm starting the day off with a few baptisms. Absolutely incredible, and it's so much fun to be a part of what God is doing here at Berean and and in and through Berean here in Mansfield and all the cool things that are happening. And we get to witness that in baptism and this, these changed lives that we get to celebrate. It's so much fun. Uh, you know, something that's been in my heart for a little bit, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about it today, and, and it has to do with like decision making. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's, it's difficult to determine when there's kind of a why in the road. Should I go to the left or should I go to the right? And and when I'm talking about this, I'm not referring to you know, a life and death situation. In other words, if you're standing in the street and there's a car coming, your decision should be to move. Right? You understand that, right? Like There are times where it's pretty obvious that you should go ahead and make a certain decision. And, and I'm not talking about life and death. And I'm not talking about right or wrong, right? So I'm not talking about right and wrong decisions. This is kind of amoral decisions that uh, don't necessarily seem super obvious. How do I know that I'm keeping in step with the Lord as, as I want to, as I make these decisions? Uh, so last night, I, I went and did something. I, I went on Facebook. I don't recommend you ever do that, by the way. And, uh, but I asked a question. You know, I asked this question to people on Facebook. Um, give me some ideas of some of the questions that maybe are decisions you've had to make that wasn't obvious and you really struggled to make a decision again not necessarily right or wrong not right life and death situations and i'm going to read to you some of these quite um, um some of these responses that i got and uh um, see if there's anything that maybe you can identify with well the first one was this what college should i attend uh, this is a big question right you, you know might, you might think well you know you, you just do your research and, and try to determine what's the best fit for you and that's that's good but how do I know that I'm making the right decision? Especially, you know, young people, you come out of high school and you decide to go into college, there's a, there's a decent chance you're going to meet your spouse at whatever college you're going to, so don't go to the wrong one. Right? Go blue, he says. Yeah, I'm going to get booed if I say that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, those are big decisions with huge impacts in your life, and people feel the weight of that. And as you're facing that weight of that, you're going, man, Lord, what do I do here? Because it doesn't seem like it's a right and wrong decision. It doesn't seem like a life and death decision. But I know the consequences of this decision are going to be huge on the future of my life. And we feel the way of that. How do we know we're choosing what the Lord would have us to choose? You know, maybe you're a parent and you're struggling with the next one. What school do I send my kid to? My, or my kids and my children? Where do I send my kids to school? You know, there's lots of options nowadays. Which one do I pick? You know, our family, we've, we've, we've changed that course a few times. We've done it all. We've done public school. We've done private school. We've done homeschool. Homeschool basically is like, if you're a, like a, kind of like a, a, a Navy SEAL or a Marine, a parent, go ahead and homeschool. Otherwise, send those kids somewhere, man. <laughs> Just send them anywhere. It doesn't even really, no, I'm kidding. You know, what school do I send my, you know, somebody posted in there, do I sell my business? You know, and this person who, who posted that, I know her well, you know, she worked really hard to create this business and build it up into something really huge. Now she's like, do I sell this? I don't know. Is this the time for me to do that? You know, on that note, should I change my job or make a career move? 
These are decisions we all have to deal with. Another lady put, how to balance caring for an elderly parent while still giving quality time to raising and caring for my children. Man, it's a big thing. Is it right or wrong to take time uh, 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 ministering and serving her mom? Well, it's right. But is it right or wrong for her to spend time ministering to her husband and her kids? Well, it's right. How do you balance those things? How do you know you're keeping on step with what the Lord has for you? Maybe you're asking like somebody else did, uh, should I quit my job and homeschool my children? You know, is God calling me to leave the work? Maybe live on less and sacrifice and homeschool my kids? Somebody else, should I relocate my, my family? And if you're here in Mansfield, the answer is no. <laughs> I'm mostly kidding. You know, should I relocate my family? Is God calling me to, to pick up camp and to go somewhere else? How do I know? How do I know I'm making that right move? Because the implications are huge for my family. Somebody else, do I speak up or keep quiet in certain situations? Or what house should I buy? Again, big implications. Or how about this one that's a little bit more recent? Should I get vaccinated and or should I wear a mask? right like this is like we're trying to dodge these questions but they're real and we don't know for sure what's right and what's wrong we try to do our our best to determine what that is we want to love our neighbor well we want to serve god we want to do make wise decisions but you know there's experts on both sides of these debates which ones do we listen to how do we know we're making the right decision because the implications are huge right I'm not going to answer the vaccination and mask questions, just so you know. I saw some of you looking at me like, bring it, man, I dare you. You know, for me and my family, very recently, you know, should I leave one church that, that I absolutely loved as a pastor and the people that were like my family, should I leave them? Should I leave my oldest daughter and her husband and their kids and move 4,000 miles with my family to pastor another group of people? Boy, it's hard. Big decisions, huge implications. How do I know when I'm going to make a change like that, when I'm going to do something so significantly different, how do I know that I know that I know that I'm staying in step with the Lord? Because it's important. Anybody else ever feel those, that tension in some decisions? Probably all of us, right? I want to follow you, Lord. I want to serve you, God. But I don't know that I'm making the right decision here. And how do I know? Well, the text that I love to go to to try to answer that question we're going to look at today and it's in psalm 37 so if you have your bibles with you go ahead and turn to the 37th psalm and if not we will have the text on our screen as well would you join me in a word of prayer dear heavenly father god thank you for this day god as we think about this subject and this text that we're going to be looking at there are so many daily really whys in the road should we go right should we go left how do we determine, how do we know that we are keeping on step with the path that you'd have us to stay on? God, as we look at your text, I pray that you'll just reveal to us and give us a confidence that we can step and that you, we, our steps will not slip as we look towards you. God, I just pray that you help us to all take a step closer to you this morning. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 37, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We're going to add a couple verses a little bit later uh, this morning's sermon um, from later on in Psalm 37. It says this, it says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither 
like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and, the, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. So I want you to consider, before we talk about this text, consider the author here. We have, you have King David, who's writing this text. Now, if there's anybody who would know uh, what it's like to, be, to patiently wait on the Lord after God has revealed a plan to him, all the while watching somebody who is evil prosper, it would have been King David. Remember, he was anointed as the next king uh, of Israel, but yet he was on the run for so many years. Sleeping in caves and in the wilderness, eating whatever is available. All the while, he was anointed by God to be the next king of Israel, yet he needed to wait and take only the step that was before him. It makes you wonder how many times in David's life where he would have been just grown frustrated watching evil people live like kings, literally while he is trying to maintain a righteous life and follow after God, how easy would it have been for him to grow frustrated in that and doing what the Lord had called him to do? How, how easy would it have been for him to really question, God, is this really what you'd have me to do? Are you really calling me uh, into this, to be this king of Israel while all of these things are going on? Why am I only taking this step right now? I don't understand. And he is the one who is writing and penning this text <clears throat> one of the first things we see here is our first point this morning and that is this uh, the successes that evil people enjoy are fleeting david remembers this that what looks like success in somebody's life it might not actually be success and that if it is some sort of earthly and worldly success that success is fleeting uh, verses one and two fret not yourself because of evil doers be not envious of wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. I'm sorry, yeah, like the green herb. I, I want you to think about this. If you're ever in a position where you're, 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 uh, it, it, you're, you're tending to be jealous towards somebody who's, who's an evil person, but they're, they're, they're getting that raise, they're getting that promotion, and you're like, man, this is so frustrating. I've been trying so hard. I've been working so hard. I, I'm trying to follow God. I'm doing the right thing. All the while, this guy over here is getting that promotion. All the while, this guy over here has that new house. All the while, this guy over here has bought that new car, and it seems like he has this great deal of success. Listen, don't fret over what's happening there. As a matter of fact, that should compel you to pray for him, because oftentimes, worldly success becomes a barrier for somebody to actually follow God. We need to redefine what success is in our lives. Because if something is keeping us from following Christ and having a relationship with Him, friends, that's not success at all. It's dangerous. So we need to have a different perspective. We need to understand that the successes of evil people that they enjoy, they are fleeting. And it should cause us to pray for them. Don't worry about the success that someone else seems to be having. Everyone will be judged by God. Everyone will be judged by God. 
We live in a world where it can be frustrating, as I said, as we watch people become rich and powerful while they disobey God. We live in confusing times. We live in confusing times, and there's some weird stuff going on. I mean weird. And I'm not going to get into it. We've talked about this um, in weeks past, but there's just weird stuff going on in our world, and it, and it could stop us to cause, God, why are you allowing this person to, to, to come into influence in our community? What, why are you letting this happen? I don't understand it. It seems so wrong. Their success is fleeting, and what we're calling success may not be success at all, but a barrier to them in which we need to be praying for them. It would be easy for us to be jealous of that success. It would be. But let's fight against that, is what I think David wants to, to, to tell us here. And again, the text itself, what is David talking about? Well, he's talking about a literal evil around him, people who are prospering while he's not. But I think that this text, this, I feel like God has kind of revealed this part of it to me this week. Because I've, I've looked at this text now for years. That when I'm trying to make decisions, this is kind of the text I go back to. And we're going to get to why that is in just a few moments. But one of the things that I feel like God may have revealed to me this week is this. What, what if I'm also the evil person in this text? You know, I've always read this thinking it's me versus the world. Right? That I've always put myself in the story as the righteous, but never in as the evil. But what, do I, what does my theology teach me about my flesh? That we have this battle, even as followers of Jesus Christ, we have this battle of, 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 of becoming more like Christ, yet still putting to death our flesh. So maybe it's not just me versus the world. Maybe this is me versus myself in some ways. And knowing that, how do I know that I'm committed to the Lord? How do I know that I'm following God? How do I know that I'm trying to step, I'm living in righteousness? And to answer some of these questions, we're gonna be, again, we're going to be going through the rest of this text. And I'm about to introduce to you a couple. God's been doing some, some I'm going to kind of pause here for a second. God's been doing some really cool things here at Berean. You know, we see the, the baptisms. Uh, we're seeing changed lives. There's some really neat things that are happening even behind the scenes. Um, just we're right now we're, we're, we're going through just a couple of one-off sermons which usually were a part of a series we're starting a series uh, um, right after Labor Day in Genesis and it's gonna be a lot of fun going through the book of Genesis uh, for several weeks there's a lot in there I mean a lot in there uh, but but in August this is not like throwaway time as a matter of fact God's doing some really cool things uh, I was over at Pastor Bill's house last night our missions pastor and met a couple John and Elaine who you're gonna, I'm gonna introduce to you in just a moment and as I was listening to them and as we were having a conversation, they kept talking about all of these decisions over a lifetime of ministry that they have, have, have made. And it dawned on me, I'm like, this is tomorrow's sermon. Like, literally, this is last night. I need to make some changes because I've got to incorporate this. this we've got to do it. So just like that last night, like, I, I feel like God kind of changed the direction in a really neat way. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to invite them up to, uh, to the stage with me. But there's other things that are happening, too. Uh, Lentrell, I didn't ask for permission, so you can give me dirty looks if I don't have it. Um, but it's too late now, bro. I'm going. So in two weeks from now, again, we, uh, we're, we're going to be voting at a business meeting to, to install Lentrell as pastor of Missional Living. Um, I've gotten to know Lentrell over, over the last more than a year, and I can tell you um, I wholeheartedly believe that he is a man for this position in this season, and God's done an incredible work in his life. If you don't know this about Lentrell, uh, part of his formative years uh, were actually spent in prison. And he was discipled by men of this church who were part of this ministry called Bill Glass Ministries. Has anybody heard of Bill Glass Ministries? 
So again, so Bill Glass Ministries, they, they, they go into prisons all over and they do evangelism and discipleship uh, is their key, really focus on evangelism. This ministry, again, has impacted uh, one of our very own, again, in two weeks. On the 22nd, we're going to be voting to make him a pastor here at Berean. Well, it was going to be on the 15th, but we had to make a schedule change and move it to the 22nd. There's something else that's happening on the 22nd that I did not coordinate at all. It just kind of happened. So again, Bill Glass Ministries, is, I think is international prison ministry thing. Um, a really cool thing, right? Well, about a year ago, a really good close friend of mine started a new job. His new job is he is the president and CEO, CEO of Bill Glass Ministries. It just so happens that on the 22nd of August, Michael Nolan, the president of Bill Glass Ministries, is going to be here and, and, and we're, he's going to be sharing with all of you. The very day, the very day that we're going to be voting Lentrell to become a pastor here at Berean Baptist Church. That only God can do that. I mean, only God can do that. And it's so cool. So cool. Well, just like that, only God could do this. Making uh, this day that we're in this text, it wasn't even on the schedule a super long time ago, just to kind of work out the way it has. And, and I'm going to invite uh, John and Elaine Main to go ahead and come on the stage if you'd welcome them with us. This is a couple. Um, yeah. You know, it, this is a couple that, that, that are missionaries of a Berean Baptist Church, and um, you may have noticed what I like to do over this last year or so when we have missionaries in town, we'll kind of come up and have them, kind of interview them for a couple minutes, so we pray for them. I, I think it's important for the body to know the people who are, who are in foreign fields, who are doing different work that you're supporting, as th this is part of our body, right? And this is part of what God is doing in and through uh, Berean Baptist Church, so I think that's important. But again, in our conversation last night, I'm like, you know, this just works too well with where we're at. Can I get you guys up here for a little bit longer of a period of time? And they said no, and I introduced them anyways. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it, now it's too late, guys. You're up here. Yeah. So uh, I want to go back to our text and kind of talk to you a little bit and, and, and incorporate some of your story um, as we go. So thanks, you guys, for coming up here. Uh, the, again, our first point here in this text was, uh, and I'm going to sit down too, so sorry, you guys, in the front row here. Look up over the pulpit. Uh, the successes that evil people enjoy are fleeting. So keep that kind of in your back pocket and remember that. But as we move through the text, our next point is this. Uh, and it's simple, but it's a profound. You know, when you're trying to make decisions in your life, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. So it's so easy to take our eyes off of the Lord and onto whatever the decision that we need to make is that, that we kind of mess up the whole thing. Keep your eyes on God throughout the whole thing. Verses 3 through 6 says that, say this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day, noonday. This is where I really go. Again, when I have decision to make, this is the text I go to again. These words, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So this is kind of my own test of my own motivation. When I have a decision to make, can I trust the desires that I have as being godly desires? Or is it possible that they're not? Even though maybe they're fleshly desires dressed up as godly desires. And friends, that can happen. That can happen. So how do I know? Well, I have to do this little gut check. In this season of my life, while I'm faced with this decision, 
Am I truly committed to God? Am I truly committed to God? And you know, you might say, and it's easy for me to say too, listen, I'm going to church. I mean, working in full-time ministry. Um, you know, I read my Bible. I pray. Uh, I try to treat my family and my friends well, all those kind of things. So yeah, maybe I'm committed to the Lord. But is that really where it's at? Is, is, is that a, a, uh, what's required as far as being committed to the Lord? Or is there more? You see, I believe if we're going to say Jesus is our Lord, meaning He is our Master and we, is his, we are His servants, if I'm going to say that, then my commitment level needs to be higher than those things. So what I've done for years is I've kind of prayed through and asked myself, you know, how committed am I? If God called me to go to Iraq and preach the gospel in the streets, would I go? Because that would be commitment. But as I, as I grow older, my question changes to really check myself. Am I really committed? Now I ask, if God called one of my daughters to go to Iraq to preach the gospel in the streets, would I be okay with God? Because that would be a good level of commitment, wouldn't you say? It changes. What if God called one of my children to be a martyr for the kingdom of God? Would I be all right with that? You see, in every season of my life, I can't answer that question honestly the same way. There are times where I, I ask that question to myself and really wrestle with it and go, man, I don't know that I could. But when I'm committed to the Lord, if I want to really trust my desires as being godly desires, I think the, question, the answer to those questions might, has to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We need to rehearse those two words in our lives. We need to trust that God is better than we are, that knows more than we do, who really does have good things in store for us. And we need to rehearse those two words in our lives, not just in the big questions of life and death or right or wrong, but in all the decisions that we make. We need to rehearse those two words, yes, Lord, whatever it is you call, I will follow. You know, got a missionary couple up here and i, I want to make a, a little bit of a caveat before we begin to talk with them uh, unless you might think that you know it's it's people in vocational ministry who are kind of getting this right and everybody isn't else is not that's not the case at all as a matter of fact more than likely most of you won't be called to leave mansfield ohio let alone go to japan why because god might need you right where you're at to be a missionary you know, it could be that you are at your job right now because it's exactly where you need to be. As a matter of fact, you know, we talk a lot of missionaries now that are going overseas are, are doing work, workplace ministry, that are going and getting secular job to do ministry there. It could very well be that that's exactly what you're supposed to do right here in Mansfield, Ohio. So I want to make sure you completely understand that you don't have to be in vocational ministry in order to be on step with God and doing exactly uh, fulfilling his purposes in your life. So Back to our text, guys, John and Elaine. I've, I've talked a lot already. I, I tend to do that. Um, yeah, so keeping our eye on God, can you guys just, with that in mind, can you guys just tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your years in ministry? Like, what's kind of, what brought you to here to this point, you know? What's, what's, what's happened in your life? Well, you want to talk about how we met? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can That's talk about story. how we met. <laughs> I was single and working at a church, and the church decided to start a singles ministry, and the, I really wasn't interested in going to this meeting at the pastor's house, and he informed me that I should be there, and I said, okay, I would be there. I, I want you to write that down. 
<laughs> the pastor said to do something, and she's like, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. Yes, sir. And so at the pastor's house for that singles ministry, I met John. And we were put in the same Bible study. So we got to know each other through the Bible study. And the Bible study was on the one another's. And love one another. And so we did. Uh, (laughs) We still do. (laughs) We still do. John was in seminary at the time that we met. And he was studying missions and we started dating, and, and he wanted me to know right up front that he was not interested in marriage. He said, the age we were, you start getting serious and you're looking at marriage. He did not want to get married while he was in seminary. And I was equally up front and said that I felt God had called me to be a pastor's wife and missionary. Terrified the poor man. And, and we would have these discussions over the time we were dating, and he would suddenly get this very panicked look on his face, and he'd say, oh, I didn't just propose, did I? <laughs> and I'd say, I don't think so. And he'd go, oh, good. John, John is a romantic, you'll learn. Young, by the way, young guys, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but, but God did bring us together, and, and he, he did propose, and I said, did you mean it? but it it's been a wonderful time of seeing god knit our hearts together in ministry and and send us out as a unit together so i i want to say this too i think one of the reasons where you guys and i'm going to speak for you a little bit so correct me if i'm wrong because i don't want to do that but you could be confident in that partially because both of you in that season of your life for sure where you were committing your ways to the lord you know, and as he gave you these desires, not what you had to, in mind, but completely different than what you had in mind. Yeah, I mean, I had my plan, and God has his plan, and he said, John, plan's changing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's easy. This is where the kind of the rubber meets the road, I think, though. It's, when that happens, again, how can you be sure, right? Like, right. how can I be sure? This is where I thought we were headed, but now I have this new desire, God. What's happening here? Yeah. I was a lot more assured when I was younger. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. Now it's like uh, some of my friends will say, John, how come you're thinking that? You don't normally think that way because I've learned to uh, trust God to be more spontaneous and follow the Spirit. Uh, and, and they say, John, that's really not you. It's really cool to see you grow Yeah. <laughs> yeah as I get older. Sometimes people are the opposite as they get older. Right, yeah. right. I don't know what I am. Other than older. <laughs> I'm a seasoned citizen. There you go. There you go. It's a, you know, your ministry, so in case you guys didn't, I don't know if we said this yet or not, but they spent 35 years in Japan. Um, so you guys get married, and you talk us through that. Like, why Japan? How did you wind up out there? Well, it was really uh, kind of cool because we were, uh, here's another thing that I had planned my internship to go overseas for three months and we we said let's go this uh, two years from now and some things happened at the school and they said john we need you to go with these three single gals and kind of help them you we want you to go this year and so we changed everything that was really disturbing especially for me but we did it and god blessed it and our way back through japan we spent three days in japan we weren't felt called to the philippines particularly but we were interested in Japan, and Elaine and I had 
both had a calling from God completely different. I had a feeling that I was riding on this train going from an hour a train, and I didn't see any churches anywhere. I said, this is God. This is where you could use me. God kind of said, this is where I want to use you. And Elaine had a totally different experience. We were staying in a, a home in the Tokyo area, and I mean, I could not read anything. I could not understand anything that was said. I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and I'm in this massive city. Absolutely nothing is familiar. And I had such a deep sense of that I was home. And we compared those two stories, I think, on the airplane going home and realized that God was confirming that he wanted us in Japan. And we went to the mission. They said, we need people in Japan. Would you go anywhere else? Yes, we would, but we want you in Japan. And then, and then it took, uh, then, then uh, I didn't want to go into the pastorate. Remember, many of them suggested, if you're going to go overseas and plant churches, you should be a pastor for two years or so. And I didn't want to do that. I want to write this to the mission field. And uh, God said, no, John, I want you to go to Chicago and plant, uh, pastor a church for two years. It turned into about three. And, and then we went to Japan. So all of these, you know, twists and turns, God was always leading and guiding. Yeah, and, and you, it's easy, I think, for, uh, for people on the outside of, of a story like this to, to hear them and think, man, how cool is it to be on this adventure? And it is. And how cool is it to have uh, this fruit in our ministry? And it is. However, when you're in the moment, when you're living it out day to day, it's not all glorious. It's not all people going, yeah, I'll follow you as you follow Jesus. It's not all everything's shaking out the way you thought it would be. Uh, and, and oftentimes it's the opposite of those things. And oftentimes it's frustrating and hard. And in those moments, we're coming to the next point here in our, our text, we need to learn to be patient. To be patient. Does anybody else just like kind of like shudder when they hear those two words? Man, it's, I'm not a patient guy. This is definitely a discipline, right? Be patient. Psalm 37, 7 and 9, and then we're going to read 23 as well. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. Now verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Man, when, I, when I'm praying so often, I think, God, show me where it is you want me to go. And that sometimes is the wrong prayer. Maybe the right one is, God, show me the next step I need to take. And I'm going to be content and patient as I take that step and then wait on you. Oh, that's tough stuff right there. You know, over your years of ministry, you guys faced some things that were, I'm sure, more difficult than others. How often was it you guys find yourselves in that spot where you've had to learn to be patient and wait on the Lord's guidance for the next step? Every other day. <laughs> yeah, there were some times there when we just wondered what we were doing was the right thing, planting two churches and, and others. And uh, then uh, when I was asked to head up the Japan Church Planting Institute, it meant that I had to quit one ministry, and my reputation was at risk to give that up, to do something. And finally, my boss came and said, John, what's going on? I said, I'm willing to risk my reputation for the movement. And that was a hard decision, but it was the right one. Mm. God used that for 25 years. 
Uh, would you want to add? So and there are other times I think we, we compared notes that it's really God's faithfulness to us rather than us being faithful to God because there were a lot of times when I, I was really discouraged and wanted to quit. And then I compare notes with Elaine. She says, no, I'm really encouraged. I think things are really going well right now. And then later on it'd be reversed. It's almost like we never were on the same schedule for <laughs> let's quit now kind of thing. And it wasn't that we were stupid. It's just we were facing reality, but we were supposed to try, trying to walk with God and feel his presence with us. You know, it talks about waiting patiently. It's hard to wait, and it's hard to be patient, both of that. It yeah. sure is. Sorry. And, and I think one of the things for us that we had the advantage of, let's say, is we had people praying for us. Definitely. We had people praying for us every day. And I think God used that in ways that we will never know, perhaps, to keep us going when we wanted to quit. Yeah, I just good. met one here that said, Mondays, Mains, M and M. We prayed for you every Monday. Wow. You know, just out in the lobby out here today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and so, oh, I don't know, starting maybe 15 years ago or so, we wrote down all of our supporting churches and people, and we pray through that list every month yep. to pray for you wow. as, as you have prayed for us. Yeah. It's so cool to be part of, of the family, right? Yep. You all need prayer. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, learning to be patient in ministry and, and, and fighting those urges to be frustrated when things aren't going the way that they feel, we feel like they ought to be going. Again, as we read through the Scripture and we see these giants of faith, or if you read about missionaries of foreign lands, and it's so easy. It's so easy to be like, man, if I only had faith like they do, mm. without realizing, you know what, they're just like us, and they're, they're, they have all the same struggles and doubts and all the mm. rest of it, you know, and they're learning to be patient and take that next step in Christ and, and follow Him. And then this final point is this, as we're doing these things, we need to trust God's plan. We need to trust God's plan. If, if we're not going from point A to Z, but there's a lot of points in between of these steps that we need to take, there's going to be the, 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 the challenge of not growing frustrated and being filled with doubt. We need to learn to trust God's plan. Listen to verses 28 through 31. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and the tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. We can, we can learn to stand firm in Christ and realize he's got this. You know, whatever it is, that path he has us on, those, the, that change in our life, the decisions that we're making when we're committing our ways to him, those next steps that he gives us, we can trust in him, and our steps won't slip. Um, you know, talk about that a little bit, how you, over the last 35 years, you've learned to trust God, and then uh, maybe specifically about this latest season of your ministry. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing, especially all this transition we're in. It's very scary. You know, I fought for God for five years about leaving Japan on schedule, uh, to, because I needed to physically get out of the way so other people could do what I'm doing. 
and to move into a different role, not in leadership and running things, but more in the background and helping people run things, uh, was really a hard decision for me. And I fought it for five years. But then God said, John, look at who you are. Look where you're at. And all my friends were confirming it. John, this is really a good move for you. And since we've done it, it's been really crazy how, how this has expanded. You know, uh, since we got home, I think there were three networks I'm working with. Now it's 21. Wow. And, just, and, and this is during COVID, you know. Uh, one of them is they want to plant 50,000 churches in Japan, you know. And it's like, wow, I never dreamed of that when I was in Japan, uh, that that would be possible. But the, the Japanese and the leadership was getting really excited. Do you want to add to that? One of the, the things that I experienced is we were getting toward leaving Japan. I had this Bible study of Japanese ladies. There's six of them. One is Christian, and the others are not. And they, they come to Bible study. It's in English, and I always wondered, is it because they want to practice their English? And I have seen them go from there to really wanting to know God and what the Bible says. And as we were getting ready to leave, I was trying just desperately to find someone who could take over that Bible study and teach that Bible study as I left. And just, there was no one. And I would try and I'd try. And I was just brokenhearted and wondering, why is God abandoning these dear ladies who are making such progress in knowing who Jesus is? We came back to the States, and one day it suddenly dawned on me that I could Zoom with these ladies. And so we continue Bible study together. It's not the same, but we've had this relationship for years, and we get to continue. And to see that my plan for someone else was obviously not God's plan, and I just needed to wait for him to lead wow that's so cool and you know i want you to feel some of the tension that i think the mains have felt too 35 years in japan it, the majority of their adult lives they've basically learned to become japanese and then they feel like god is is the next step is to return to the united states during a pretty contentious election and then covid right so having this is this is real emotion. This is real trying to go, God, all right, what's going on? And they've had to learn, and I'm sure you're still learning to trust in God. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, adjusting to the America as it is now is a, quite a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a challenge for you guys, too, I think. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of things that we don't even know who we are because we've been living in Japan for so long. Uh, and uh, I mentioned this in the Sunday school class. Uh, re-entry culture shock is like riding in bumper cars. You know you're going to get hit, but you don't know how hard and which direction. And it could be anything. I mean, we're sitting around on a table, and all of a sudden one of us breaks out crying. We don't even know why. Because it, it's, we know it's normal. It's just part of adjusting. But they say this process will take three years for us, and we're not even halfway through yet. Wow. Well, thank you guys for sharing. I want to pray. You guys can stay up here because I want to pray for you as well. Um, and then I'm going to ask the band to go ahead. I'm going to ask now for the band to come back up, and we're going to have another song of worship before we close. Uh, but before we, but kind of the last word, I guess you could say, on this again is 
just kind of remember through this text. If, if you have a decision to make and you're really struggling with it, uh, wondering what is it that the Lord has you to do as your next step, um, you remember, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. Be patient and trust God's plan. You know, ask yourself, am I really committed to the Lord right now in this season of my life? If you want to trust that desire as being a, as a God-implanted desire in your heart, make sure you can a- answer that question with a resounding, you know what, I am committed to God. Whatever He asked me to do, wherever He asked me to go, I'm willing. I'm willing to be used by God. And then you can kind of trust that desire that, uh, that you have as being one that God has given you. But let's, let's pray, and then we're going to have another song of worship. God, thank you for this day. I uh, just thank you for John and, and, and Elaine and, and their faithfulness. I'm sure they would argue that it's not always looked like faithfulness, but thank you for their faithfulness as we can see and we know of the fruit of that faithfulness. God, as they are transitioning, in the midst of transitioning, still a year and a half into being back in the United States, may you give them much grace. Uh, may you make this reentry, uh, the, the challenges of, wit, of it, much shorter than what's typical. God, may that they... Uh, uh, that they really enjoy where they're at. And, and may you bless this ministry as a very fruitful one in this season of their lives. For us, God, help us to rest in you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to seek you and search you out for those next steps that we have in our lives and, and help, us to have, uh, help us to follow you by taking those steps confidently and that those steps will not slip. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.